How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode number three of the Uncommon Coaches Podcast. Uh, I'm your co-host, Levi Winrick, and I'm here with Barry Schwartz. Barry, how are we doing? Doing pretty well, man. How's everybody doing today? All right. So today's episode and focus is on the idea of building a culture. Now, culture's become sort of a buzzword uh, over the recent years, but doesn't take away from the importance of when you're building a foundation for your team or for your workplace, your culture is really going to be key to that. And so what we're going to talk about is we're going to break it down into three sections. Uh, first section is going to be how to implement the culture you're looking to, uh, to provide. The second will be the challenges that you're bound to face. And the third will be just some examples of good and bad cultures that uh, Barry and I have been a part of. So with that being said, we hope everyone's doing well. And uh, Barry, take it away. All right. So culture is something that's great for me. I mean, I, I love it. I love having you know, kind of that positive culture, but sometimes that that can go a little astray. So today we're going to kind of talk about three different issues with culture. Uh, The first one's going to be how to implement culture. Second one will be the challenges you can face um, when trying to create a positive culture. And third is just kind of our experiences of a good and bad culture that both Levi and I have experienced. One of my favorite, favorite people to follow, especially in the business world, is Peter Drucker. And he's kind of the, the, uh, the man when it comes to anything about culture. He was probably one of the first people to actually really discover what it meant to establish a proper culture and how to kind of track it and, and all that. One of my favorite quotes from him is, culture eats strategy for breakfast. But that, yeah, boom. I mean, it, 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 you kind of you first hear that and go like, "Well, that's that sounds like like a, a Happy Gilmore kind of thing." Um, but it, if you let it resonate a little bit, it makes some pretty good sense. You know, strat- culture eats strategy for breakfast. That's a T-shirt and a tattoo <laughs> at the same time. Huh? Yeah, but <laughs> I'm getting both today. <laughs> that's pretty funny, man. <laughs> so. Let's kind of talk about how to implement a culture. Um, from my past experiences, I, you know, you you just kind of sometimes you hop right into it and pray that your culture of, of your team works out, and more so, it, it doesn't. So, what I like to do is I like to establish a foundation for creating a culture, and what that means is whenever I have a team, whether it's a sports team. Uh, a new team, you know, uh, or or already established team, I like to bring us back down to ground zero and just kind of restart over a renaissance, a rebirth, if you will. So the first thing I like to do is is get everybody in a room and try and establish a common theme with where we want to go. So that could be as simple as creating a mission statement. Mission statement is kind of what the foundation of your company or even your sports team is. Um, Levi is currently in the process of doing this right now with a with one of your basketball teams. So before we kind of keep going into implementation, how's that going for you? Oh man, it's been a it's been a ton of fun. So um, for any first time listeners, I'm the uh, basketball coach at Castake High School. Castake is a brand new school. We only have ninth graders, and we will add a class every year moving forward. So not only do we have a, a first-time head coach and staff, we have first-time high school students and a first-time school and first-time administration. So a lot of exciting things going on. 
and a lot of challenges with it. Um, but it's been a really fun process. And so I think what, what you're saying is by getting everyone on the same page is huge because for me, when it comes to implementing a culture, you have to have a game plan of what you're looking to accomplish, right? right? You kind of have to understand you, you can't be everything. Right. Is that fair to say? So I wish you could, but you can't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. People that aren't Barry Schwartz just can't be everything. The rest of us are human. Can't be all 10 players. (laughs) So what you have to decide is what are we going to be about and how can we be successful? And so in doing that, um, from a basketball standpoint, one of the best things I've learned from previous coaches that I've got to work with is that whatever the coaching staff values and prioritizes the team will follow suit. Right. So uh, whether it's a it's a skill on the court such as rebounding, if we don't talk about and teach and value and prioritize rebounding in practice, it's not going to happen in the games. Right. right? And, and how we are, are valuing and prioritizing how we conduct ourselves off the court, whatever we show them is acceptable by our by our communication, by our own personal actions. And how we handle uh, adverse situations—that's what they're going to learn is acceptable. And here's what what we're about over here. Absolutely, you know. So our actions, as as you know, as you know, um, show more than what we can say. But it's key that your coaching staff or your leadership group that you guys understand what you want to prioritize and that you're on the same page because right. whatever that wherever that value is the players are going to pick up on it right away. Well, I'll, I'll give you a pretty good example. I was working, uh, I was managing a automotive dealership. So, you know, hardcore negotiation, traditional sales process. And I had to, along with the team, we had to recreate this culture. So we had to change it from this hardcore, hey man, give me an extra thousand dollars down and we'll get this car for you. You know, this, this hardcore <laughs> negotiation where salesmen would walk up to you and say, uh, you know, hi, my name's Torrance. Are, are you here to buy a car? You know, kind of thing. So I'm, we, just, I'm just picturing tons of like pencil mustaches. Tons just, of, just a lot pencil of pencil mustaches. White, and... Imagine white shirts, black tie, black pants, <laughs> everybody about 60 years old. That's, that was my, the, that was my audience. The men in black of car sales. Oh, uh, dude, it was, it was, it was fun. Yes. But I had to take that, that culture and we need to change it. I mean, purchasing a car today is, is come, is should be different than what it was 40 years ago and nothing's changed so what we did is we we recreated the culture to a no haggle culture now trying to get a bunch of um, older gentlemen if you will to transfer over was extremely tough so what we did was we brought everybody into a room the entire store brought everybody into a room and said hey guys what we're doing isn't working we've got to change it how can how can we change this so we work together as opposed to just make the law and set the law, we made it everybody else's idea. And to me, that's really a strong foundation in building a, a positive culture and a coach a culture where people hold themselves accountable. So back to implementing a, a positive culture, uh, some things that I just like to you know make it part of is is giving giving people empowerment. So I think we've Traditionally, it was so much like this is how it is. You better do it this way, and that's that's it. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, other than you don't get people's 100% buy-in. But when I make it about you, and I say, "Hey, man, how do you or lady, how do you uh, think we should do this?" 
Now, sometimes it can be confusing, and that's not the culture we typically want. But whatever decision they have, now I'm making them accountable. So just giving people a little bit more um, uh, respect and encouragement and empowerment. Um, Yeah, yeah, go for it, man. I think, uh, yeah, good points. I think that... um from a coaching standpoint, and this is kind of what you just did with you with that first meeting. I think having a code of conduct that is really more than how you're going to uh, – it's not so much about the, the sport you're coaching or the business you're running, but it's more about how you're going to interact and treat people. Yeah. So for you, customers, for us, teammates and opponents and fans and refs, right? right? But having that code of conduct and taking time to just say like, here's who we are. Here's how we treat people. And this is what we're about every single day. Taking that time, even though it seems elementary and childish, especially like when you're dealing with a a sales force of grown adults. But taking that time, what it does is it gives you a reference point because there's bound to be times where people, including ourselves, like you mess up on that code of conduct. Mm -hmm. But now the team, the family has a reference point to come back to to say, whoa, whoa, hey, that's not us. You know, that's, that's not how we're about. We don't treat people that way in that situation where we, we can be better than that. We're so I'm, capable of more. I'm so glad you said that. So I, I typically – code of conduct, uh, conduct, core values statement, you know, those kind of – those are those key words. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite companies to look at, and this could be – I mean, now they were purchased by Marriott, but it was the Ritz-Carlton. So Ritz-Carlton. Ritz, yeah, getting fancy at the Ritz. <laughs> um, and the Ritz-Carlton – you, if you, you can ask any employee, at least you used to be able to ask any employee, what their mission statement was and what their value statement was. And they memorized it. So they have probably one of the most, they used to at least, have one of the most aggressive, um, forward-thinking training programs to reinstate and re-talk about all their, uh, their company culture. So their core values, yeah. their mission benefits, just all those, all those things. And and it sticks with them. So I think it was like even down to to the janitors, to the laundry guy. I mean, everybody within the entire company has to know these things. And at any point in time, you can ask them. So the next time you're at a Ritz-Carlton, uh, preferably the one in Laguna Niguel, got to say it's nice, um, you can go ahead and try and ask the staff there uh, what – what their mission statement is, and see if that they're going to respond. That's just part of their culture, man. And and I always took that and went, wow, I would love to create something like that. So for me, on our email blast or whenever we send an email, we have our mission statement on every single email we send out. Yeah. So that whomever's getting that, that email knows this is what we're about, quality of, of our customers. Um, so to put like a, a bow on it, when it comes to implementing, especially when you're like starting from ground zero, right? You got a new, a new sales team that you're you're managing. First thing you like to do is get everybody in a room. Is that fair? When I'm when I'm first launching, yeah, yeah I, I like to get the main, maybe just whoever's available at that time. Right? So you know what? Actually, I misspoke. First thing you want to do is you want to get your foundation down, your code of conduct or your mission. You you need to have that vision. So I put in my head, yeah. what I think, and then I bring the staff in and I say, Hey, this is, you know, we need to create this, this foundation. Okay. This is what I'm thinking. What are you guys thinking? So you want input from them on the vision. Yeah. And the reason why is because now I can say, Hey, you told me, yeah, which are my favorite three words. You told (laughs) me, right. That you, that you wanted a culture like this or you wanted it like this. So now, man, we've got to hold each other accountable. 
Right. And that, you know, that builds trust. It builds, uh, um, you know, kind of completion in who we are as as people. And you're able to use that as a, this is where we are and we're moving forward. So every company, every company, I'm sure every team, basketball team, baseball, football, has some core value or some mission statement about where who they are and what they represent. Yeah. So that's all fine and dandy, but let's talk about some of the challenges you've got to face when trying to do this, man. I mean, people are people, and sometimes they might not like what you're throwing at them. If there's anything you've learned from today, please understand that people are people. <laughs> I'll never forget. I'll never forget. <laughs> That's another t-shirt, man. We were, I, well, here's, I'll give you another one. I was in a, I think it was a class <laughs> in high school and there was a kid in the class. He was, he's just, I won't name any names, but you and I both know him really, really well. And he's in the back of the class and our teacher was talking about something, something about people. And this guy, he's sitting in the back, his, his feet are up on the table. Um, and he's just kind of, he's got his hands behind his head. He's got this long hair and they look. The teacher looks at the back of the classroom and says, "Now, Mister Blank Blank, <laughs> uh, what do you think about people?" And I'm pretty sure this guy was stoned at the time. No question about it. Now I think you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. And he he unfolds his arms. He leans forward and he goes, "He goes, you know what? People are weird, man." <laughs> <laughs> and that young man is now running for the presidency in 2020. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's um, yeah. Well, hey. So when we talked about we just kind of finished up implementing a culture. Big thing that Barry pointed out that really hit me was having a vision, a general idea, but then getting your team together and having them help you create that vision. Uh, the goal of the culture that they all want to be a part of. And what that does is it gives you a roadmap to handle tough times that are sure to be ahead. It gives you a reference point to come back to. Um, now we're going to kind of move on to the challenges. And uh, Barry hit it. You know, people are people. And so human nature, human nature is naturally selfish, right? And there's just something in us that anything that happens to us in life, we immediately think how it affects us first. Even if it's just for a split second, that's just a natural response. So from coaching, the very idea of being on a team goes against human nature. Because <laughs> yeah. a team, the, the goal of the team and the coaching staff included is that you are every single day that you're together, your job is to do what's best for the team in this moment. And what's best for the team in this moment might not mean that you get playing time. Might not mean that you're going to get to touch the ball very often or play the role that you desire or as a coach that you're going to run the offense that you prefer to run. So there's sacrifices that are made, right? There's sacrifices. And we're the very idea of a team is you're getting a bunch of people together with from different backgrounds and strengths and weaknesses and we're all working towards a common goal, right? So the concept of what a team is is a great test for human nature. Yeah. And here's how crazy coaches are. We think that not only do we know enough about our sport, but we think that we can get a group of 15-year-olds or a group of 15 different players to go against human nature all at the same time. I mean, And we bank careers on it. So that's, uh, that's how messed up we are. But Look, man, I, I got to say, I, I mean, I've dealt with people of all different age ranges. I've never dealt with somebody under 18. 
So yeah. going through all that emotion internally, my, my hat's off to you, man. Like I don't, <laughs> to me, I, I've, I've got a two year old and I can barely like keep him in the same room for less than 20 minutes. So yeah, so. that's a different kind of coaching right there. <laughs> There's no amount of clinics that'll help you for that one. That's a, that's no, a different no, way. That is true. So the challenges, right? The challenge is that you're, you're fighting human nature every day and you're trying to embrace it. I want to bring up a book that um, I would highly recommend to everybody. It's called the, the the Dichotomy of Leadership, and it's by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. And Jocko's a, a really well-known uh, motivational speaker and podcaster. Both uh, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin are former U.S. Navy SEALs. Uh, they've written the extremely popular book, Extreme Ownership. Um, the thing I love about this book, The Dichotomy of Leadership, is that it's actually a response to their previous book. Um, and the reason they, they wrote it is because that they felt their original message was um, at times misinterpreted. And uh, really what the book is about is, of course, you want to take ownership of your team and take ownership of, of their actions. Um, but we have to understand that People are human. And uh, just to give you a little insight, here's the chapters of the titles of this book. And they really just try to show you both sides of the story. Um, so chapter two is called Own It All But Empower Others. Chapter three is Resolute But Not Overbearing. Chapter uh, five is Train Hard But Train Smart. Chapter six, Aggressive But Not Reckless. And the whole book continues in this fashion. And really, it's a great reminder of what I think is the key for embracing challenges uh, in this situation. And that is you have to embrace human nature. You have to understand that your team is going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes and it's going to be okay. And so you know that mistakes are coming. You know that those selfish decisions and selfish actions are going to happen. So you have to have a plan to attack those for when they come. And it's it's obviously a, a quite a challenge, but having an understanding that your team is not going to be robots. You can me and you can nail down the perfect culture and have these very rigid rules and structure to just move forward. And knowing that if we do these ten things every day, we're going to be locked in. But it's a dream, right? It's it's not reality. And so what we have to understand is that in order to to embrace this culture and get past these challenges is that you have to work with people like they're human. And when they make mistakes, you it do? can't be <laughs> shocking, right? It can't just be such a such a, a black and white line, I don't believe. I think you have to work with, with your players and with your team on the culture is our goal. And although we don't condone these actions, you, you can't be crucified for these things. You have to help these people through those times because mm-hmm. you and your you as yourself, you're going to need that same help from your coaching staff and your fellow teammates as well. Um, I believe that this book does a great job of kind of showing you both sides of the line of still being strong to your values, your your team's core values, and what you want to stand for, but understanding that there every situation is specific. Every incident is unique, and so it it shouldn't just be so hardcore where if A happens, then B is the immediate result. You, there needs to be some leeway there for you to understand the situation and how to best help your teammate. Yeah, I mean, if if people were robots, uh, I think every, you know every business owner would be a multimillionaire. Right? If we could just keep the the hey man, this this formula is working. Let's just keep it going. Right, every team would be great. Right, you keep passing the ball. We keep doing the play how I designed it. We're going to be just fine. 
But you're right. People are people. And I think some of the biggest challenges that we face, whether you're a basketball coach or leading a small team of young managers or people, is communication. I think the lack of communication is really, really tough um, on both the individuals, the company, the team, and yourself. So I know from from how I was raised in the business, there was no communication. It was like, go do this job, and if you don't do it, you're fired. There, that was, that was a, as much communication as I got. And as I progressed further and further, I realized, man, you've got to you've got to talk to people. You've got to you've got to figure out what's what's going on. And sometimes it's having what we call the come to Jesus meeting, where we sit you down and we go, all right, man, let's let's break some bread and really figure out what's what's happening here. Um, I feel like the lack of communication is what really tears apart a team. Um, you know, I mean, check about the, the news with Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant lately, right? <laughs> right? There's like Kobe's now all of a sudden spitting out stuff like, I could have had 12 rings. And Shaq's saying, well, dude, you've we didn't want to give you the ball. You're taking all the shots. These are things that probably could have been addressed if they were just sat down and put their egos aside at the door and just kind of said, man, this isn't about who's the best in the world. This is about the team and us moving forward. Um I would say that's probably one of the biggest challenges is lack of communication. Um, another thing is is sometimes it's it's negativity in the team or or it's kind of like a, a small cancer that spreads through and it affects everybody. If you don't nip it right at the beginning, it can really cause a major problem. And I've seen that personally firsthand where everything's going great, everybody's making money, the, the team's flowing right. And one guy who I stopped paying attention to started to chat a little bit. And it was because of my lack of communication. As he chatted, he got more people to kind of follow in line. And all of a sudden, there's mutiny. And I'm like, oh, man, what's going on? <laughs> it was such a small problem. And now it's this big ordeal. Yeah. So negativity and, and, and lack of communication, those are some key things that I think can really affect your culture. Totally. Uh, for... For negativity, there there is no neutral energy, right? And everything we do, we bring energy to it. Bring energy to the room, to the team, to the to the project, whatever it is. But there is no neutral energy. You're either bringing positive and and uh, influential energy, or you're or you're sucking it out of the room. It's only positive or negative. Right. If you're in the middle, right. that's, you're negative. That's pretty valid, yeah, right? That's right. So it's tough because um, again, people have things going on in their lives. I think one of the challenges for cultures is that we have a, an idea of who we want to be as a team and we have a goal about putting the team first and here's where we want to be at the end of season or at the end of the year. But we all at the same time do have some individual goals right. and that's not a bad thing, right? It's just that by that communication that you're talking about, you want to know, I, I think, you want to know your players, your team's individual goals and embrace them as much as possible while keeping the team goal at the pri- as a priority. Right. Because it's only natural. People should have individual goals. There's nothing wrong with that. The idea is how do you mesh those and how do you let players know that their individual goals are valued? Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it. Um, kind of going into some examples of good and bad cultures that we've been a part of. Uh, for me... Any culture that I've been a part of that was negative uh, had a common theme, 
And that was that whoever was in charge or whoever was running it, the relationship was purely transactional with the rest of the team, with the rest of the group. Yeah. And the members of that group, they felt that they were there for one purpose. It was completely business. It was completely transactional. And there was nothing more than that. And that can work for a time, but once stuff starts, once adversity hits, either you're not getting the playing time you wanted or the sales are not where they need to be or uh, tough times hit, that transactional relationship fades quickly Yeah, because there's nothing beyond it. There's no substance. Right. There's no substance. So for any culture that I've been in that's been positive and uh, has been a great uh, chance to be a part of. There was something beyond transactional relationships. There was, there was a known commodity in the room that this organization cares about you. Yes, that you're there to do a job and, and there's a goal in mind and there's, there's material success we're after. But at the end of the day, they care about you. They care about me. Yeah. And now when those tough times hit, it, it's not that it, it's not as hard, but it's, there's a different mindset I'm attacking it with. I'm not going to have a negative energy most of the time. I'm not going to have a neutral energy. I'm going to be able to try to summon that positive energy and attack the problem rather than saying, God, I can't believe this happened and these people don't care anyway, so why do I care? Right. And right. that's what it becomes. becomes a blame game. Right, right. It, there, was a great, there was a great example of a textile company um, back east who um, prior to 2008, before the recession, I mean, they were, they were firing on all f- – Cylinders, man, they were they were cranking out. Two thousand eight hits, and all of a sudden, no one wants to buy anything. So the company, as opposed to laying off people, right? Their culture was we can't let anybody go. So what they did was they said, "All right, guys, we're not going to let anybody go. We're gonna we're gonna travel to sea together. You know, we're we're in this together. But what we are going to do is we're going to allow up to four weeks of unpaid vacation." So they'd actually saved the company some money, gave people a little bit more leeway and how much time they could take off, and no one was no one was let go. So they were able to ride out that sea pretty pretty well. Wow. And that that's just kind of uh, you know that's a that's an okay example of company that that where the people have the company's back, the company's got the people's back, and they're kind of meshing together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I can attest to have been part of something similar to that and something the complete opposite. Um, the complete opposite was like any retail automotive dealership, if you will, um, where is primarily my background. Um, I would be standing on the outside lot waiting for a customer to come in so we could sell him a car. And the guy next to me had been there longer than I have. And we're standing out there together and we're chatting, you know, having a good conversation like all people do employees do and all of a sudden the general sales manager comes out and he has a checkbook in his hand and whenever you see that everybody goes <gasps> because what he's doing is he's writing your last check so i'm standing there i'm talking to a guy his name was eddie and uh, eddie great guy really sweet honest uh even for a car business um and he's standing next to me, he's, you know, we're talking, and then all of a sudden he gets a tap on his shoulder. The general oh, Eddie. Gen, general sales manager writes a check. Here you go. You can leave now. Oh, Eddie. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. That was my buddy. So now I'm stuck here by myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, think about that. Like at any moment at any time, you're like, oh, there is no, 
like going to run to HR, this wasn't fair kind of deal. I mean, in that culture, it was you either sell this and make this money or you're done. And Eddie had one too many months where he did not do it. And he was never trained. And that's probably the biggest thing that I've seen in a good or bad culture is different forms of training. So for me, I learned in a positive culture one-on-one training where a manager would actually sit down with somebody and review what they're doing, what they did the previous month or the previous quarter and sit down with them and say, hey, Levi, you've, you've done this, 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 but we're not hitting this, this bubble here. We've got to you know, focus on this for the next quarter or next month so that we're able to attack that and keep you in the loop of employment and a positive feel. And that would give the opportunity for the employee to say, I hate you. <laughs> I don't want to do that. This is stupid. Or, or you're right. I need to pick it up, like blah, blah, blah. So those one-on-one trainings were, were really positive. And that's what we were able to implement in another store with everybody else when we were transitioning them from traditional sales to no haggle was that one-on-one training um, and just kind of really fine-tuning it. Um, training every day too. I, I mean, I'm sure with some of your players, you probably – the ones that are kind of lacking and starting to get the prima donna on the best of the best and blah, blah, blah. Sometimes it's sitting down with those guys and going, hey, or girls, hey, you know, you you're, you're, you are the best of the best, but you're killing the team, man. You're doing stuff that's, that's hurting the culture of the team. Yeah. How can we fix this together? And that, that comes back to, you know, what is the leadership group? What do they value and what do they prioritize? Because the, we're going to make mistakes, right, as we've said. The focus needs to be on how do we come back from them and how do we improve? And that's where actually a chapter in this book, um, The Dichotomy of Leadership, speaks to kind of your car salesman uh, story where there's – they talk about when to train and when to let people go. And it's – right, it's tough. Letting people go is the roughest thing. And so what they're saying is like – and yeah, from a coaching standpoint, there's nothing that sucks more than cutting a kid. It's horrible. Right, and so it, that situation is ever get easier. But what you're going to want to know is that at the end of the day, your culture and your team and your leadership group did everything they could to give that team member a chance, a chance to be a part of this family, a chance to be successful as a, as a person in this group. And at the end of the day, if it didn't work out, it didn't work out. And you, you wish them the best and you, and you do what you can for them moving forward. Um, but the focus always has to be on how do we improve from these mistakes because we know they're going to happen. And how can we move right. on? You know what I'm saying? So yeah. as tough as it can be, I think the end goal for your culture is you want to know that you gave every member of your family, of your organization, a chance to be successful. And you can't obviously allow one person to tank the whole group, right? I mean, we started off by saying that the main priority is to put the team first in every situation. Um, but I think every situation is a little bit unique and takes and it deserves uh, a fresh look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, to see what this person is, what mistake was made, what's this person dealing with away from our group, away from our team. How can we help them? That should be the first mindset, I think, as you approach it doing everything you can and then if there does come a time where you need to cut ties for the betterment of the group then unfortunately that's what you need to do but um, I think a successful culture is not a perfect culture 
I don't think that exists. I think a successful culture, it's not about having a zero blemishes. I think it's about doing everything that it can to give people a chance to improve. And, uh, but at the end of the day, making sure that the group remains a priority. Right. I'll tell you some of my, I completely, completely agree. And I'll tell you some of my, my key takeaways on culture is, is one thing that I always get mistaken is as a business owner, um, is that every employee cares as much as I do about it. And, you know, I expect, you know, part of it is like, I expect them to put in 12 hours every single day, nonstop, make your phone calls, do this. (laughs) Right. I mean, for me, I'm like, what the, what the heck, man? Like, get on it. Shoot out those emails. You're killing us. So true. And, and I have to, I have to come to the realization a lot of times that that's not the case, that I should not expect them to do the amount of effort they're doing, um, you know, because I think they should do more, right? I mean, that's just, that's the kind of thing. Right. So I, to offset that, we do trainings. We have these, these what I call uh, uh, SAPs or SOPs, mm-hmm. the standard operating procedures. Yeah, yeah. And that's just that, that every month or every quarter we sit down and talk. Okay. Just to get in, in line with each other. And, and you know, it, it's... It's tough, man. Like we originally talked about, people are people, and sometimes people are, are weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to, you've got to, as a leader, as a owner, as a coach, you've got to be able to adapt and read your people, um, and it can be really, really tough. Another book I I, I love is uh, by Jim Collins. It's called uh, From Good to Great, and it's basically just a management uh, book that t- is designed to help. Owners help business leaders help young managers uh, take their company from good to great, and it it really the foundation of the book is culture, and how yes. we can how we can create a, a very forward thinking pay it forward culture, which is something we all look to do. Yeah, well, guys, we're just about out of time here. Uh, Barry, any final thoughts, parting words? Give up. <laughs> <laughs> you have no chance. At just, culture. just just stop. Stop. Go live in, in the woods of like Oregon and just read books and make candles or something. This is ridiculous. Don't shave. Don't shave. No deodorant. You know what? Ladies, stop. Don't shave your legs. Let it grow. Be free. Let's um, not go too far. <laughs> no. Um, I, I would say as a, as a leader, as a manager, it's the most stressful job you can have. Um, and it can be the most rewarding. And I would say to those out there that are either beginning this path or have been in this path and whatever, um, something I love to do and what Levi expresses all the time with his books is I call it taking a bath. And sometimes you get a little dirty and you lose your focus and you've got to take a bath and reread some of these books that we're throwing at you so that you can kind of reset your mindset and get back into the game and and also taking the time for yourself to to kind of breathe a little bit. Sometimes we get super caught up in what's happening and the stress of work and this kind of goes back to our last uh, podcast, but it relies on your focus and your mindset because you are the foundation for your culture of your company. So keep that in mind as as you progress further and I wish you all the best. <laughs> <laughs> A very positive and uplifting message from Barry. <laughs> Thanks, Barry. We're all excited to take on our day. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> so we have uh, we have two recommended reads this week. The first is The Dichotomy of Leadership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. 
And the second one is From Good to Great by Jim Collins. Highly recommend that you check those out. Uh, Last thing I want to just say is that the biggest thing for culture to me is it's not about being perfect. It's not about having uh, zero mistakes. It's about having a reference point during tough times. It's about having an idea of who you want to be and where you want your team to go when there's social and outside pressure and uh, negative forces coming your way. So culture is uh, it's a powerful tool and when it's used properly and uh, without a successful one, I think it's, it, it's tough to reach any goals or help develop your team in the way you'd like to. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate your time and I uh, hope everyone has a good week.